Hello, this is Joe Peters with In the Know with Joe, and I'm about to interview Dennis Sullivan, the mayor of Somerville. It's been about 18 months since I talked to Dennis last, and he was kind enough to walk slash drive me around Somerville and show me everything that happened since we talked last. I think you'll find the following interview to be of great interest. Please listen in. So, hi, it's um, Joe Peters with In the Know with Joe, and with me today is Dennis Sullivan, mayor of Somerville. Dennis is always fun to talk with, and I'm going to let him introduce himself and give us a little about his background. Good afternoon, Joe. It seems odd that it's a year ago that we spoke. So, for your listeners out there, welcome to Peter Sullivan Part 2. Thank you for the time, and uh, we'll get into the status of our town and I'll, I'll do a quick summary of me. I wouldn't do it, but Joe asked me and he's the host, so I'll, I'll accommodate him. I graduated uh, from Rutgers University in 1973 with a master's in special education, started looking for a job. I was living in Staten Island at the time and I took my protractor. There's a, there's a word from the archives. Took my protractor and drew a 30 mile radius and said, I'm willing to go that far to work. I was fortunate to get a job interview here. And one of my references was a childhood, not a childhood, a college person interviewing me. And two days later, I had the contract. Cool. So it was just a fortunate, uh, fortunate for my part. I uh, made my, my professional career here. I taught in schools for 35 years. Moved to Somerville five years later so that I could walk school and give up commuting on 287 from Staten Island, which, believe it or not, was not a big deal in those days. But it was still a 30-minute ride, and when there was fog on the outer bridge, it was a two-hour ride. Yeah. I said, and the teach here, I'm going to walk. Worry about my dead battery, my flat tire. My shoes on, 10 minutes, I'll be at work. And, and that's what I did. Little by little got involved in the community, little league, library, caring for scouts uh, as, as my daughters got older. And in 1993, I was asked to run for council, uh, lost by 19 votes and decided, well, that's, that's close. Not bad for a rookie. And um, ran and won the next year in 1994. And... Since then, except for one year, I've been on the borough council first as a council person in the last five years. And it's been my pleasure to serve as mayor. And uh, it's been a labor of love to watch the town grow around me. And uh, I often reflect that the town gave my wife and I a great opportunity to become homeowners, become parents, become grandparents. And I want to keep that same opportunity for the next generation that uh, that I see coming through town when I meet new homeowners who are in their late 20s, early 30s. They're carbon copies of Marge and I from 1978. We were driving around uh, after school and on the weekends looking for for sale signs. It's a lot different today. You sit on your computer, have a cup of coffee, and buy a house. Right. <laughs> Back back then, it was it was a uh, you know where's Waldo, where's my house? I'm, I'm driving up and down, up and down every day, 
cutting down numbers on index cards and found a house half a mile away and starter home became the uh be the finish home and uh it's been been a great community experience for me and my family and uh i'm working hard to try to try to maintain and improve our community as a place to live uh, live learn play and and your family So that's, if I'm counting backwards correctly, almost 30 years of community service. A mayor in Somerville is a term because some towns have everybody, every year it changes. Yours is for yeah, where our former government is the uh, strong council, weak mayor. Doesn't mean I can't hold my weight, but in our former government, the, 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 town, the, town, the six members of the council uh, are the legislative body and the uh, they enact ordinances and run the town. I get to vote if there's a tie. Okay, and so you're the tiebreaker. I think I've cast one vote in my five years <laughs> on something probably very insignificant. So well, um, that's a story in itself. <laughs> yeah, I, I I honestly don't remember what the issue was, but it was it was a believe it or not some contention, and I got to vote. Oh, maybe maybe my colleagues said that I had the once don't know but uh the council weak mayor former government has a duly elected mayor it's a four-year term which uh, expires the end of this year so we're in the process of identifying two council candidates and a mayoral candidate and probably by the next time we speak be at liberty to um you know to, to tell you what our ticket will be Filing deadline is March twenty seventh. Yeah, so it's coming. We up. are actively, we are actively talking to people of quality, myself included. And um, four p.m. on the twenty seventh is the uh, the witching hour. So talk to me on the twenty eighth. I'll be at liberty to divulge uh, probably the the worst kept secret in the town, <laughs> and I'll say no more on that. Okay, so fair enough. Uh, is there a term limit as to how long you can be mayor? Legally, no. It's really up to the voters. Okay. And we have had, in the last 20 years, very consistent leadership at the council table. I'm in my 28th year of service. Uh, I have one councilman who's finishing 19. We had a councilwoman who retired last year who had 16. And we have another council person who's going to be leaving soon with 12. Wow. So we've had a lot of consistency. We, we take great pride in the in the candidates we advance. And for the most part, they fulfill their commitment. And if they run for re-election, they're generally favorably received. Um, and I think it's it, good for the town regardless of the party that the person's in, that there be consistency and um, and camaraderie amongst the governing officials because you have a personal agenda on the local level, you're doing a disservice to your town and, and to yourself. So it says the town's a little over two miles. I looked that up, it says 2.33. 
um, a large percentage of that is county buildings. Yeah, I don't have the exact breakdown, but between the county property, Somerset County, the um, Somerset Medical Center, which is now part of Robert Wood Johnson, right? Our churches, our group homes, uh, other state agencies, were probably around forty to forty-five percent tax exempt, which again, you know, puts puts a strain on our ability to fund basic services. Because I I used to use the analogy of an eight-cylinder car with only five spark plugs firing. <laughs> it's probably a little bit higher now. Okay. But we we have developed some partnerships with the county, with the medical center, where they are making financial contribution to the budget. In, in a small way, um, there's a hospital bed tax now that was enacted by the legislature several years ago, where we get a per per bed per day amount from the medical center. It goes into the budget. The county is paying taxes. Well, they're paying rent on a privately owned building, and they're also giving us the payment in lieu of taxes, one piece of county. So we've had good success in the last you know six years to broaden our ability to collect revenue. But well, what you want? It's still dollars that go into the budget to fund basic services. So, although they're tax exempt, they're helping us in a financial way. And we, you know, we have some good partnerships, and I you know, worked hard to foster that relationship. Because, you know, Somerville's good to the county and good to the medical center, and they're good for us in return. So it's it works it works favorably in both directions. So the last time we talked, we were pretty much one year into COVID. Now we're hopefully on the downhill slide. I hope. Yeah, we all do. Although I'm hearing of some people catching COVID a second time. I somehow got all five shots and still caught it the day after Christmas. It, it's it's in my experience so far. It seems that the um, effect is is minimized. Right. Mine Especially in, the, in older folks like ourselves. That was my great fear early on. We have a, a senior citizens housing complex with over 50 residents. And I made sure that the first busload of vaccines went over to them because right. we've lost a good number of people you know, in, a, in a confined space where um, concentrated. And as soon as the county had the ability to go mobile, those vans over there and it uh, had a, a few fatalities early on so you're excited quickly that's good to hear you're one of the few mayors that i've interviewed that um insisted on driving and walking me around to the extent that i'm suggesting it to other mayors when we interview because i think it's a great format i saw the town roughly two years ago and as you said you got to come back and see what we did in the two years and it was an amazing hour, hour and a half that we spent. Uh, I mean, starting. Well, it's with... you know, there's nothing like, you know, feet on the ground and and right. I'm, I'm a big Civil War fan, and you read about these battles. There's nothing like driving there, parking the car, grabbing your hat and your water bottle, and walking the terrain, and trying to understand 
you know, what happened and why. And you can you can go online and do a slideshow of Somerville, but not the same. It's right. And I'm and we're proud of the town and try to try to show it up. I've invited our our newly elected congressman um, to to come when things you know quiet down in Washington. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Mr. Kane. He might come this weekend for the parade. And I've invited him to come later on and recreate recreate what we did. You know, look at look at some of our neighborhoods, look at some of our infrastructure improvements, and help us out where where the federal government has a part. Well, I got to tell you, I was blown away by the amount of the new construction going on on the opposite side of the railroad from town, which was just starting the first time we talked. Now there's got to be several hundred units already in existence, maybe not occupied yet, a lot are, but, and then that access to walk under the, the railway to the town, it's, um, I would, I think I said it looks like Hoboken West, and you said, no, there's some of our least. <laughs> They're actually moving from yes. Hoboken over. Well, the, the, the concept of transit village is, it's no longer new, but when it was first being popularized, maybe eight or so ago, we had we met all the qualifications. You know, we have the station, and down the steps, you're by the post office. Five minutes, you're on Main Street. So it it the natural blend of taking advantage of the rail, of the downtown of the service organizations that are here, the county presence, um, you know, a good mix of housing options, whether it be owner-occupied rental, Florian, Cape Cod. We're lacking in ranch homes. We probably have fewer ranch homes per person than, than most uh, towns in the state. And I'm I'd love to move into a ranch house someday when I don't want to deal with the stairs here anymore. But we don't have the land. As you said, we're 2.2 square miles. Right. And, you know, building lots are at a premium. So hard to come by. Habitat for Humanity is uh, going to be building a modular home for a veteran in the near future. And they paid a pretty good sum for the, the building lot. And uh, they're going to put a is it a modular home to save on the construction costs? But the purchase price was, you know, they, they paid pretty much market price for a, for a 50 by 150 foot buildable lot. And that's uh, it's a, a, it's a good thing for property values, but it's it hamstrings us. We don't have any farmers selling multi-acre lots right. for other use. You know, farms we have are the like my wife's 10 by 10 in the backyard. That's that's the only farmland we have. Yeah, most of the houses, from my viewpoint, and I sell real estate in Somerville from time to time, are either 1920 to 1940s or 1945 and on post-war, which are yes, Cape Cod. Right. Cape was Cod's built like around a, 38, and it was... Yep, so Cape, top Cape of the Cod, line, it was... $4,100 and it had a fireplace. Wow. So that was the 
probably the, the highest, you know, middle class type home before you start moving into the big old Victorians. And when I replaced my sidewalk a few years ago, it cost me four thousand dollars. The price of the home. So is there any open lots for building in Somerville at this point, or is it totally built out other than the construction area? There are a couple of sites around the train corridor. Okay. Running east and west. And that's where most of our apartment complexes right. have been built. We've been trying to reclaim contaminated land, underperforming land. And the, the warehouse project down the street from me used to be a book warehouse. There, nothing was made there. It was books were shipped here and then shipped out to schools. And uh, that project is in the demolition phase right now. They'll be building uh, rental uh, condominiums slash apartments, uh, not to the four or five story scale that you see downtown. Right. Going to be about, I think, 30 feet, probably two, two and a half stories, sort of to mimic the neighborhood here. We didn't want something that was going right. to work. So that's what you called the old Baker Taylor site? Yes, that's okay, so Baker, Baker Taylor. Avenue. Yes, the Kirby Avenue redevelopment. Okay. As, as we drove by, you saw the debris. The debris piles are huge. Sorting or recycling purposes. A lot of that building material has salvaged value. And as they tear down part of the building, they pile. So it's, it's exciting for me because that warehouse stood vacant for 15 years. There was a lot of interest. Uh, and vacant means no taxes. From every reputable building, Ovenanian wanted to come in, but he was looking for more density per acre than we were comfortable with. And it sat, changed hands a few times. Finally, we were able to work with a developer that was that with the unit per acre a restriction that we had on it. And if all goes well, the building will be down by June 1st, and they're going to have to do some work, grading, some utility work, hoping they can start putting foundations in maybe by the fall. And they're talking about about a year, you know, first shovel in the ground to ribbon cutting. So it's accomplished nothing in my last year of this term. It'll be to see that project really really start to start to be real because there were a lot of skeptics over the years that oh yeah another an, another study another concept another pipe tree but you know we're in an atmosphere and a climate in Somerville for investment and existing homes are selling well existing apartments are full and the new construction is and being rented as they are complete. So, at least for now, um, we are in a good place. But we are always careful and always looking to improve upon what we have and make next year better. So, the Baker Taylor will be for sale units, not rental no, units. Those will those will be rental. 
Those will be, be rental a mix units. of condominium style with additional apartment. Okay. The neighborhood will see from the street level the condos, condo like. And then in the back, they'll have some two story, two and a half story apartment. Okay. But again, the scale will be muted and it, uh, it'll be green space. There'll be plenty of on site parking. So there'll be no impact. Well, so, how many units will that result in? 172, I believe. Really? Wow. Yeah. And that's going to be. They'll be separated. They'll be separated about six, six units to a building facing my street. And like yep. maybe six buildings. And in the back at 90 degree angles will be our traditional looking garden apartments. So, so that was to 100, not massive. 172 rental units? Yes. That's amazing. I thought it was about 14 when I looked at it. You you mm -hmm. guys, you really are getting bang for the buck. How many rental units were built so far down by the train station? I'm I'm not exactly sure. It's it's between three and four hundred. Three and four hundred. I believe. Now it, it it could be more because we have two different builders working right. on Somerset development there between the townhouses. The rentals. I know there are 152 for sale townhouses. Hmm. And I think, and I think around three to 350 rental. Three rental. Over where uh, the extension of the Morris building is, is rentals as well. Is that in that same number? On Main that? Street, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's really come along even since we met. Wow. Interrupt. There's uh, outside sheeting's done. They've got plastic up over the windows to working, to starting to work inside. <laughs> and the weather's been cooperative. It's it has been. It's been they're, a very good They're year. really moving ahead. And the deck is just about complete because that, that deck will, will service not only the existing building on Main Street, but new one when it opens. Each week I when I go to ShopRite, it looks like more and more work's been done because the... Uh, you know, the deck provides the required parking that the planning board approved. Okay, so there, there, was, in the deck hidden in. there was a parking garage down by the old hotel, and there was one on, I'm trying to street was where the, the county building is. There was another parking garage. Yes, that's county. the one on the north side of Main Street is the county facility. Okay. The one on the south side of Main Street is... Uh, borough owned, and it was built around 2020, 2010. No, no, before 2005. And that services the office complex, right? Right adjacent, right across the street from the from the hotel. So this new parking garage, that the new parking garage that's in the vicinity of the Shoprite. You can see it about a block away from the Shoprite. Right across the street. Yes, really, maybe two blocks from the store. How many parking units are going to be in that? About five hundred. Five hundred, and then and that'll be that'll there'll be two sections. There'll be a private uh, access with key cards for the residents. They will enter from uh, Dowdy Avenue on the on the west. Then there'll be a public uh, portion available for charge. That will enter off of Davenport, and. Uh, 
owned and maintained by the property owner of the complex. We will share in the revenue of the parking deck for the public portion. And then on we, have, we have we have some investment in that deck on a municipal. On every side, on every side of the railroad tracks, then there's more parking for the rental units that are going up over there. Yes, the easterly uh, deck right off of South Bridge Street is transit parking, and for the residents, and then there's a second deck proposed as part of the next phase project to the west, which will service the additional apartment that will be about. So how five hundred feet from where we stood, right? And that's surface parking right now, but that eventually will become a so, residential building wrapped around the parking deck. Even this is this is going to bring a lot more cars into the downtown area. The good news is we have a place to park. What about the traffic impact? Be determined. I mean, you got to think that more cars will, you know, will will create traffic. But the concept of the Trans Village is that a lot of those cars will be stationary. Right. People are going to rent there. First of all, they'll probably only get one space per unit. So if you have two cars, you may not want to live there because you have to find parking somewhere else. Right. So the, the, the long-range plan is that people that live and or work downtown or live in and work in, in they work in Hoboken or the city. Their car will sit in the driveway or in the, in the deck, like mine used to sit in my driveway. You know, and sometimes so, drive it on the weekend just to drive it. it. It sort of makes sense though, because everything I'm reading from the uh, the future of electronic vehicles, which is coming, and I know you said you've got fifteen percent allotted for areas that electricity can be put in may not be there day one for evs um the second car in an ev family may not be an owned car it may be a car rental service of some sort either it might, it might in our case it might be a bicycle <laughs> yes exactly i think everywhere it's going to be because because it solves two problems it solves the first problem on a family side is they don't need to buy a whole car to park it for 80% of its time while somebody's at work. And secondly, that 80% of the time needs square footage for it to be parked. And that's valuable downtown property. I forget the statistic I read of how many square miles in the United States is taken up for parking garage for people that are working. And well, as, as an example, I taught here for 35 years. And most of that time I walked. I only own two cars in that whole time well i had a i had a 1994 that i gave to my daughter when she started college for more mileage on that car in four years than i put on in the previous 10 <laughs> and even even now i you know now that i'm probably tired of course i don't drive much but i've got a six-year-old car with eighteen thousand miles wow because I'm a mile from the I'm a mile from the courthouse. On a nice day like this, I have to go downtown. I can bike or walk. So the thinking behind the transit village is that you you capitalize on a population that's not car dependent. 
And I think that's where we're headed, uh, regardless of the town, but yours specifically, because it's so easy to walk downtown. You do have a train in it, so hopefully more people, as the train service improves, will be taking the train as well. Well, it's and interesting. I was at an open house last weekend talking to a young couple from Staten Island, coincidentally. Okay. First question the gentleman asked me is, where's the bus? I said, um, two minutes that way. Yeah. Said, That's great. If I want to go to the city and I don't want to deal with the train, I can, it'll stop there. I said, yeah, there's a bus shelter. And, um, it's a regularly designated spot. It's right by the hospital. Right. And um, I don't know the schedule because I rarely have taken it. But if you're not in a hurry and you don't mind, you know, a local bus, because it does take about two hours, but it's right there. He said, that's great. And how long does the train take to get into it? Right just... now, it's not a direct line. That's that's the one thing. The Valencia ride is, is coming, but it's coming slowly. Yeah. Congress has appropriated money for the, you know, Hudson Tunnel, and our former congressman was very instrumental in, in helping us. Right, that I remember point. you mentioned that. But now you can get the train here, you go to Newark Penn, you change trains, that train stops in Secaucus, and then into the city. I think it's about an hour and a half. Okay. Maybe an hour 40, depending on the connection. That, that Not that bad. You transit links those two together. Of course, 8 to 15 in the morning, if you're in the middle of rush hour, it's tough. you got to really hustle. you got to go down. I think it's down one flight for, for the connecting train. Right. And everyone's in a hurry. Gosh, I don't miss that. I commuted to, to New York in high school, and I don't miss that rat race at all. I'm the same way. I did it for 23 years. And the yeah. biggest thing I couldn't get through my mind when I moved, I moved, I was in retail. So we moved to control offices out the seat office. Biggest thing I couldn't get over was I didn't have to look at the train schedule anymore. A car was downstairs. And well, when, when I was in high school, I took the bus to the ferry on Staten Island, the ferry across. There was no ferry terminal. There was no subway terminal, rather, in, in ferry terminal. That's why I'm going to walk two blocks. Bowling Green and then so I had a four different connections I had to make to get to high school on time and four years in high school I was never late once one of the one of the things I'm most proud of in in, in my career is that I commuted two hours each way to high school through rain and snow and fog and transit strikes and I was never late once wow. but it was it was hard work <laughs> it's one reason why I decided to walk to school I was done with commuting. We've got, you know, we have options here. If you're in a hurry, you, you, you got to hustle. You got to get the right train. But if you're going into the city to a show or to a museum or for dinner, it's doable. And like I said, down the road, when the one-seat ride comes in, you know, from here to, to Midtown, hour and 15, hour and 20, it's... And it's, it's getting better. It's going, to, hey. it's going to make us even more popular. And every town along the Raritan Valley line is doing the same thing. It's a big project in the paper yesterday. The Nellan, Manville, Raritan, every, everyone in this area wants to have stuff in the ground 
when that tunnel opens and we'll be we'll be first in line. And it's a one-two punch because first of all, people don't have to go into the city all the time the way they used to. And the other side of that argument is a lot more people are working from home, which gives um gives the town more income because they're probably coming downtown for lunch or running errands around town. I, we, I just, we had talked we had talked at our last Zoom last year about a study that we uh, read average couple in their like late twenties, early thirties dines out. 28 times a month. Wow. So if you figure you've got three breakfasts, three lunch, three dinner, so you got 90 meals, right? Yep. 28 out of nine, that's a third. They're dining yeah. out. There's a new civic center going in near the train station as well? That's going to be our community center, yes. Okay. Part of the project, we negotiated with the builder to build us a 4,000 square foot built of room under the on the first floor right next to the entrance to the train. Any uh plans for movie theater or anything or is that I don't know if people still go to the movies or not. I don't <laughs> we we've also often talked about a community theater um way, way back when the landfill was the hot topic of development. We were close to getting a movie theater complex there with that that went south in the late nineties. I'd love to see at some point a you know in a theater. We have our high school and we have our middle school. But uh, having a, a dinner theater option I think would be it would be beneficial. Yeah it's where we'd go. There were talks of a boutique style hotel um several years ago. And it's and being at a premium, you'd have to find someone willing to assume the risk and have enough business to right. make it work. And like the thing would be, but that's up to the market. So the very, the very first thing you showed me on our trip when we got together two weeks ago or so was your new civic center. They're, they're telling us it will be ready for occupancy around Labor Day. So Labor Day. We, we've and already then, picked out the furniture. And it was just level A dirt. lot more to government than just, uh, you know, street lights and, and curbs and sewers. We spent a good amount of time because, you know, we want to get something that's comfortable but functional and economical at the same time. The building's being provided to us rent-free. We have to equip it, so we we you know, we had a committee formed and been working with some. So that's called your emergency service complex. Now that's the one that's going to be the police fire station. Yes, on okay. Gaston Avenue. That's going to house our police department and our fire and some emergency equipment from the rest of school. Civic Center is going to be a municipal meeting room. Okay. Yeah, I was getting the two confused. So the very space. The very first thing we saw then was the emergency services complex. Yeah, on the on the old summer on the old the gas Baker site. A lot has done gotten done even in the last two weeks moving dirt around. When when do you think the 
the cut ribbon cutting. Builders tell, are telling us spring of twenty four. Spring of twenty four. So this is spring that's of gonna, 12, twelve months. That's going to depend, of course, on material availability, right? Labor availability and weather, but you know that's being built by the contractor and leased by us. So his lease payments, you know, won't start until we move in. So he's so the facility, build it. The facility, when completed, will allow other facilities to be reutilized for other things as they move there. Well, the, the plan for the current council chambers and police station is definitely to put it on sale on, okay. on the market. We're going to put out a request for proposals in the near future to gauge the, the temperature of the development community see what, what might go there. We probably have enough housing downtown that we don't need to replicate the apartment style building there. But right. we'll have to see. Maybe that's a place for a hotel with kind of a theater. Parking is going to be an issue there because it's a tight right. space. I can foresee a parking deck a few levels. Um, and, at grade level and then something above that that might lead lead to a full theater and, and a boutique now but we've you know it's prime location and the the old building will obviously come down so a contractor could have you know, like slate to something creative so we also looked at the park along Petersbrook. It was Lep Park, is it? Yes. So that's being refurbished with a new swimming yes, pool. Yes, we've got a grant from the uh, Somerset County Open Space Fund. Getting about, it's going to cost us about a half a million, getting about 375 from the county. So we'll, we'll supplement that with our own uh, resources. Plan for that is to have that all completely rebuilt and open for the summer. This so summer, it's all designed and it's, it's going to have a you know, new pavilion, new restrooms. Um, Spray Park um, didn't sustain a lot of damage in the storm. Be able to have that open run up and running this past summer. We're going to do some renovations to that while we're digging, and the the intent is to have that open. Maybe not on the last day of school, but as close to July 1 as possible. Because for a lot of folks in town, that park is, is their Jersey Shore. Right. Plus the gas and the amount of traffic on the parkway. I'd rather, you know, put my grandkids in a stroller, walk them over there and and have fun. You know, and there's an ice cream parlor right around the corner. So, so do, you, do you see the folks living or in, without the traffic? <clears throat> do you see the folks living in the new rentals coming over there as well? Of course. You, no matter where you live in Somerville, Joe, you're you're near everything. You know, from my corner here to the westerly end of town over by Mr. Tire in Bridgewater, two miles. Wow. So anywhere that you live, like I said, I'm a mile from the courthouse. I'm a mile and a half from my office at Borough Hall. And if, if you're in my neighborhood, you're a half a mile from the school. 
no matter where you are, you know, you have feet, you can get the, you know, it's, it's not a, not climbing, you know, the Himalayas. Right. So what's next, Dennis? I mean, you have all of this stuff on the plans for the next year or two. And we looked at an open area beyond the rentals that are being built, which you felt could be made into maybe retail or restaurant area. Um, it's all speculation, I guess, at this point in time. Mm -hmm. But um, Well, there's not much land left. And, and when developers make inquiries, we tell them, you know, here's our process. We have a redevelopment committee. This myself, two council people, people from the planning board. And that's sort of the, the, the place you go first. Right. Here's my idea. Here's what I'd like to think, you know, might work. What do you think? And then the redevelopment committee will make a recommendation to the council and to the planning board. And then that starts that starts the discussion. Just in terms of the town overall, we're starting to go beyond the main street and the development projects to, to go back into our neighborhoods and you know, look at infrastructure. Okay. Very successful the last few years with uh, getting a lot of grant money from the DOT to our roads. Uh, public service is about to embark on a very aggressive gas line replacement program. We have gas lines in the town that are antiquated. And as part of their repair program, we insist on curb-to-curb -curb resurfacing of the streets that are impacted. So last year, we probably did eight or 10 streets that we could never have done on our own without bonding significant amounts of money by working with the utility company, prioritizing not only their needs, but some street needs. We have, we've done a lot of, you know, a lot of mileage, and I see that continuing the next couple of years. Each so let's talk, had let's talk about of their uh, telephone poles replaced. That's so that, that's an ongoing infrastructure refurbishing project. Oh, yeah. But between the roads that are, that DOT will will help us with, we just got a grant for the Three Hill Avenue uh, roadway that services the hospital. Imagine that project. But we have to bid it. it goes goes through a lot of hoops, state money. We just can't get a bulldozer out there and a. And a so your 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 downtown retail area has really built up. The last time I was there, which is almost two years ago, is there any vacancy at all in the retail There's area? There's some. Like we we have our downtown uh, alliance that manages the downtown. Last report she gave me in terms of square footage, it's about ten percent of buildings. There are some leases that have been sold. There are some buildings that are being, you know, refit now. For instance, where the old uh, Unita appliance and it was the melting pot, it was a fondue restaurant. That's been empty for a number of years, and someone has purchased it. They're going to put a, I think it's South. Southeast Asian style restaurant. They're going to redo the entire front of it. They just got approval from the planning board for that about a month ago. That space will be filled. That's been empty for a while. That's right across the street from the new building on 
Main Street, which was part of my optimism was that if we build that complex on the south side, it's going to spur reinvestment on the north side. Right. As we've seen in the core of town, as you get further west towards Borough Hall, there's some vacancies. And, you know, that's not a good image for any town to have, you know, empty windows with butcher paper. If that, well, the other by little, the hope is that the new development will spur retro retrofitting of what's. We'd love to have every store open up and running. We love cutting ribbons, (laughs) balloons, and streamers up, and there'll be some new stores coming online in the in the near future. And uh, there's always going to be some vacancies. Business doesn't make it the first year. And they usually go out and someone else comes in and tries. But we created a climate that we think business friendly. The opportunities there, we, we like to think easy to work. With, but there are always complaints that it takes too long. But to do it right, it's, you know, it has to be inspected. It has to be built properly. It has to, and it does sometimes take, take time. But the end product should, should be attractive and successful and, and set the tone for future entrepreneurs as well. So what about the... First of all, I'm just blown away by Wolfgang's. I've been in Wolfgang's about three times in the last year. It's not a low-priced restaurant, and it's always sold out. And it's it's in you need the, a reservation, and usually from Thursday to Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and it's. I was very surprised during COVID that they were able to stay open. I I thought for sure their margins can't be can't be too big. Mm-hmm. That I said, you know, if people are home. They're not going to use that disposable income. And it is uh, not a cheap meal ticket. No. It's good food. Good food. But it's dinner for two is what I spend for groceries per week. But they were able to stay open and and you drive by there on the weekend. In the warm weather, they had the outdoor dining going on. Valley parking was always busy. Those cars in and out and even in the height of the winter the lights were on and people were they they, they built up a very very good loyal base and um i i was just surprised that if anyone's going to go out it would it would be them but they seem to have created a you know a following and hopefully between them and starbucks the the uh Business community knows that Somerville's on the map because companies like that do their homework. They they know where they're going to be successful, and if they can be successful, then the the, the next tier of business can be as well. And there is plans for a second steak restaurant a few blocks down towards. Uh, yes, uh, Mr. Jack Cust, former major league baseball player, is Immaculata High School alumni, and he. Is uh, we're expecting his formal application uh, for the project on the corner right, right across the street from the courthouse to take down a one-story uh, building which houses four small storefronts now and put up a a two and a three-story restaurant side by side 
with rooftop dining with a retractable mechanism and use it regardless of the weather. So that would be a, a welcome addition, a little more competition, something maybe of a different different uh, income tier to, to bring additional people on. You know, restaurant um, Easton right now, it's uh, Oak Restaurant. It's got a tremendous um, reputation. I haven't eaten there, but planting at some point on my way back from Gettysburg one day. But yeah. great reviews. And if they can replicate that here, it's just one, you know, one more, as Pink Filet said, one more brick in the wall. Right. And when do you think that brick would be put in the wall? 24 I months? I have no now? idea. He, okay. Process well. is he's got to come with his site plan to the planning board, get that done. And he he told me as soon as he get his get his professionals to get the design done. We you know we've seen sketches, concepts, and and proposals, but he until he gets his formal approval, he can't take out permits. Right. And the, the difficulty there is going to be the demolition, and to some extent the construction because it's right on a state highway. Yeah. So it's it's going to be, you know, shoehorn kind of a thing. He's got vacant land to the north and to the west, but right next door, he's got existing building. Right. And again, it's right on a corner of the highway, and it, it's right in the nerve center of town. So it's going to, we'll have to work with the DOT when the time comes to have to use uh, Veterans Drive as a bypass. He can get his heavy equipment and out. Demonstrate that the demolition shouldn't be too bad, but it's it's not a vacant farmland where you can just come in, dig and build. It's it's gonna yeah. There's logistics. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be like like when I paint a room here at home, I gotta move all the furniture out. Yeah, and it's hard because I don't have a lot of extra. But so he's, as far as I know, he's committed to doing it. Good. And I'm looking forward to that application coming before the planning board before much longer because prime building season's coming. So he's scheduled to be on sometime later this month. I'll be sure to ask him how that's coming along. But Oh, yeah, uh, please do. I know he's had some uh, work to do in Flemington as well, so I don't know where that stands. But right. Flemington is underway. Uh, it's, it's like two years later. There's a lot of stuff ripped apart, a lot, of, but not a lot of stuff going up yet. So it's um, it's it's rolling. Let me put it that way. It's going in the right direction. I just don't know when fruition will come. So when, after I have him on, I'll send you the link so you can. Please look. do. Yeah. I'm in, so I asked you. Um, I look forward to seeing his application here because we, you know, we see that as a as a catalyst for further development right along that. That strip, Jason, you're right across the street from the courthouse. Um, so I've as well in the past. It was theater, it was Rick's Toys, but it's one story buildings for the most part. And you know, lands at a premium to a nice two or three story project would probably, probably fit well there. So I, I asked you the last thing I asked you when we met was what started this all? And um, 
I mean, it's just a total success story. Almost 500 new units going in downtown, yet to go, several hundred in already, uh, parking garages. There's going to be a new a bridge across between uh, the existing where the uh, Starbucks is and the new building going, I guess. Yeah, the two buildings right. will be connected at 18-foot uh, high. 18-foot high. What, what started it all? You told me ShopRite. That was the... Oh. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, a developer came to us to talk about the East Main Street parcel. There was Hale's Junkyard there and a for sale sign, which was dwarfed by the weeds. You could see the sign if you were looking, but it was fried out for something. And this one developer had confidence in, in I was on the council at the time, and Mayor Hollett at the time uh, was receptive to working with this gentleman. We entered into a public-private partnership with that first deck, knowing we'd get at least one or two buildings out of it, and we eventually got four. And the fourth one that was built is now rented by Somerset County. Somerset County could have bought that land and built their own building, and it would have been tax-free. Hmm. They decided to rent it for probably a long-term lease. The owner gets a steady income stream, good tenant, the tax rate. So it really it really worked out little by little. When Pathmark left, that was the task of the next administration, Tiago, who followed Mayor Holland. We worked hand-in-hand uh, -hand with uh, Morris to get a first-class supermarket, not to be shop right. He entered into an agreement with the state of New Jersey wherein 75% of the sales tax generated by that shop right came back to the town to wow. reimburse us for our investment. And we just paid that off recently. It was projected to be 15-year payback. We paid it back in 11. So, you know, every dollar that shop right took in taxes the state sent us 75 cents back. So we hope that within 15 years it'll be done. But you know, our crystal ball was a little fuzzy at the time, and fortunately we were able to pay that up early. Well and it, having the store there just made it a lot easier for the next project and the next project, the next project. you know, and development community, they they all go to the same conferences. They all pick up at the same country clubs. And I was talking to a store owner on Main Street. Why did you choose Somerville? If he pointed across the street, he said, Starbucks did all the research. They thought this was a good place to do business. I think I'll try. And I think that to some extent that is true. Success is contagious. And um, we see it in commercial real estate. We certainly see it in residential real estate right. and the rental market right now, uh, much to my surprise, as, as positive as I am about the town, I'm always a little bit apprehensive. Like uh, if we build it, will they rent it? And for the most part, a lot of the rentals have waiting lists. And again, it's... That's a great story. My, my first mortgage was $325 a month, principal, interest, and taxes. 
So for me to talk to people that are that are clamoring to move into town and pay rents in excess of two thousand dollars, it's you know, yay for us because people have confidence. And I see that as as my main goal for the remainder of this term to, to keep keep the, the confidence in this town going, not only for the new homeowner, but for the, the, the new shopkeeper. And, and you get out you get out looking and for looking for a good place to live and do business. And I can keep the spotlight shining on Somerville somewhat way, you know, with my career over the next few years. I can I can say 1988 was the bottom of the trough for Somerville as we as we gazed, you know, longingly at the Bridgewater Wall, thinking, boy, we we, we used to be that. And <laughs> I was at the mall last week. They yeah. wish they were downtown Somerville. Yes. It's scary. It's a true, it's a true not even evolution. Um it's gone full circle, and um, teeter totter, seesaw. I don't know if those people would know what a teeter totter is, but it's really changed in, in terms of people's living and shopping habits. Yeah, a good yep. spot, and I see shopping it. habits have. I mean, a lot has changed. It was in in play before COVID. COVID exacerbated it, but people are um, they're just reluctant to go to the store anymore when they can get it delivered. So. Yeah, there's some things you need to go try on and you want that retail experience. And I don't think retail goes away ever, but I do think it diminishes to a great extent. And I know a lot of the retailers, I, I grew up in retail working for Macy's and Allied stores. Um, a lot of times you have a store there just so people see the brand on the way home. And when they're thinking about going shopping, you're one of the top of mind areas. So You've got a wonderful story here. You've got a town that has probably brought in five, six, seven hundred new units with the new ones going on and the ones where the reconstruction's going on near your house there. Um, it's just when I hear you say that you paid the thing back early, it makes me think of the Lee Iacocca story when he was running Chrysler. He, he paid the government back early and they didn't know what to do with the check. They didn't catch mm. the check for months. It's like, you're like the Lee Iacocca of Somerville. Yeah, when we do a, a uh, redevelopers agreement, we, we tend to be very conservative right. in our protection because money that these projects generate goes directly into potential service. The, the council's working on the budget for, this, uh, for the upcoming year. And I know the pilot retail, uh, the pilot revenue is well in excess of a million dollars. And for instance, the project in Westfield was in the paper yesterday, or Saturday. Current land that is being projected to be redeveloped Paying about six hundred thousand dollars a year in taxes. Projected projects is complete. They're estimating seven million dollars a year. Wow, that's eleven. That's elevenfold. Wow, and you multiply that over thirty years. And that's, which piece of property is that? Westfield. It's it's right around their train hub. I, right. I don't know exactly. I'm not very familiar with Westfield. You know, that's the ever analogy that you draw. You build it, they will come. People are looking for places like downtown Somerville to get away from 
the congestion and the crime factor to some extent of the, the river towns along New York City. And you've told me people already have moved into Somerville from those areas. So it's my neighbors right across the street moved from Hoboken. Nice. Good and story. They're paying less. They're paying less for their mortgage and taxes than they were paying in rent. <laughs> they have a backyard. They have a backyard and they have a garden. Wow. So just I mean, it's, you hope, it's like when you move into a neighborhood, you hope you're going to have good neighbors, hope the schools are good, you, yeah. you hope you'll be happy there. I, I just like meeting new homeowners and, and asking them where you're from and why some of them. And, and they're just so excited. And you, know, you, you have to live somewhere and you have choices. Well, Dennis is... That, the that they're finding us and you know, those like yours and, and people like yourself promoting us and giving me the opportunity to talk about now it's it's fun you know I would, I would live here even if i wasn't the mayor <laughs> it's a wonderful story you tell is there anything you would have liked to have covered today since we're coming to the end that we didn't go over is this going to air before st patrick's day yeah because uh, our parade is Sunday, March 12th, 1.30. March 12th. 1.30. It starts right near the courthouse and it heads west towards Borough Hall. And be, obviously there's a few places you could go get a drink. Could, oh, of course. And you won't be bothered by any by any kind of street vendors selling balloons and, and cotton candy and stuff like that. We do, we do not have street vendors. It will be crowded if the weather's like today. It'll be great, and even if it's cold, it'll still be crowded. Sounds There'll be great. A lot of a lot of public events coming up uh, in the near future. Summer concerts, the cruises, of course. We gotta, I gotta have you come downtown for cruises night. I'm gonna. Right now, gonna. summer. It's just it's always a lot to do here. Even if you don't live in Somerville, you're welcome to come and in, enjoy. The, you know the. The street life, the street activity. And you'll probably meet Dennis. And, and you'll probably see me walking somewhere. With, um, with, with I, probably I, Marge. And, and yeah, Marge I, I just. As interesting yeah, as Dennis. I like, well, thank you for that. I like living here. I, you know, I, I like being able to, to contribute. Because as I've told you before, this this town gave me a, a, a decent living. It gave my kids a great education. And it's given me a, a purpose beyond retirement. To, huh. to make it make it better because there's people just like me out there in their late 20s looking for a place to live and and and, and raise a happy family some of them did that for me and i'm trying to do that for for the next me whoever that's good very uh so let's chat again around the beginning yeah. of june sounds we'll, sounds good i appreciate you coming on let me stop the recording okay. Wow, what a ton of information Dennis Sullivan has shared with us. He's always interesting to talk to. He loves what he does, and it shows. I suggest you try to put Somerville on a future trip for either a car show, a walk around town, or dinner at one of their fine restaurants. I'm sure you will not be disappointed. Thank you for listening in. One of the biggest decisions in your lifetime is buying or selling a house. Choosing a realtor with strong client communication, technology, and marketing skills will dramatically improve your chance of success. 
That's why Hunterdon and Somerset's residents rely on Joe Peters. Joe believes his clients deserve a smooth and seamless experience, not a roller coaster ride. As a Coldwell Banker Sales Associate with 20 years of experience, he's helped hundreds of people to achieve their goals and dreams, no matter where they were in the buying or selling process. Here's what his satisfied customers have to say. Joe guided us through the process of selling our home and made a complicated transaction appear seamless. Joe is diligent and responsive without being pushy and truly keeps his client's best interest in mind. He would return calls within minutes if he didn't pick up. Joe accomplishes this by approaching every transaction from a business perspective. Initially, he tries to fully understand your goals and dreams and make them his own. Then he takes the mass amount of data that's available and distills it down to a few understandable action points. And finally, he controls the entire process through technology and marketing. The end result to you is a smooth, rewarding customer experience. Let Joe show you how to take his professional expertise and put it to work for you. To contact Joe, go to jpeters.com. You can call 908-238-0118 or text to 908-304-4660.